Hello and welcome to another episode of the Backcheck the Hockey History Podcast, where we consider the Hall of Fame cases for various NHL players. My name is Riley. I'm with Bill. Bill. Hey, how you doing? I'm good. How are you? Doing great, thanks. And today we have the 1996 Hall of Fame class, which once again, there's a theme in these 90s classes. It's just two people. Um, it's really interesting because I know, Bill, you and I sort of came, not grew up, but came of age as like adults at a time when people were complaining about, you know, sort of like standards being too low. And it's weird to see a whole bunch of years, not every single year in the nineties, but a number of the years in the nineties where it's just two guys. Um, and it's like, it almost feels like they weren't sure who to induct a little bit uh, back then. Um, and I don't know why that is, but it's just interesting. Cause like there's, there's been a few episodes we've done now from the nineties where it's, it's two people. So anyway, I just, I find that odd. Yeah. Um, and these two people are uh, Boris Salming and uh, Bobby Bauer. Uh, they played at completely different times. And so we're, <laughs> there's not really anything to compare them. They, it seems like they were picked by, you know, one was clearly picked by whatever the uh, Hockey Hall of Fame uh, equivalent of the Baseball Veterans Committee is. And the yeah. other was a contemporary induction because he had retired six years earlier in, in Salming. Um, so we're going to start with Salming played from 1973 to 1990 so 17 seasons all of which were quality by our standards and it's really worth noting that we've sort of talked about this a little bit before if he wasn't the first european trained star in nhl history he's very close but i think he was because nilsson and hedberg went came over at the same time but they went to the wha nedomansky came over a couple years later and went to the wha first um Stasny is who we talked about a few episodes ago, came over in like 80. I can't think of another European trained player uh, before Salming to play in the NHL. I, Can you? Pr I'm pretty sure he was the first one. Um, there, there may have, there may have been some people who, uh, you know, were born in Canada, went to Europe, came back to Canada, maybe that we were not thinking of, but I'm, I'm pretty like, he's always the name that's, I mean, the fact he played for Toronto too is like, he really stands out. He's sort of the, the one that most people think of as, uh, you know, the, that, that's the thing too. It's like, even though Sweden very clearly, you know, is Western European and they could have come over at any time, they just didn't. Um, so yeah. he, was a, he was a trailblazer in that way. Just the fact that somebody would be one good enough to play in the league when most people didn't think, you know, Sweden was this like hotbed of hockey talent, but also, um, just the fact he was willing to come over and really wanted to play in the, in the best league in the world. So, yeah. Um, so, uh, the other thing that you, you mentioned is it could be really true of the past, right? Like the old time. I don't know how many of those guys in like the twenties and thirties might've at some point, I know there were no, there were, hockey wasn't all over the place, but you never know. Um, especially with, uh, with the war. Um, yeah. the wars getting in, the, uh, but, but so I just, I just, while you were talking, I just found Wikipedia appears to have a list. And so we have mostly it's by birth country though, is the thing. So you get guys like Sweeney Schreiner, who's the first ever quote unquote Russian to play in the yeah. NHL, but he was trained in Canada. Um, yeah. Stan Makita being the most famous, I think Canadian to be born in another country, you know, um, I'm trying to see where Sweden is on this list if I can find Sweden. So, so Gus Forslund? Uh, let's see what Gus Forslund did. 
Okay, so he was playing in Canada at 20. Um, so his family moved to Fort William in Ontario when he was a kid. So, yeah, he doesn't count. Um, yeah, so it really does seem like, uh, you know, the, the odds are that it's probably Solomon. Anyway, so uh, the only reason I bring that up is regardless of anything else we say going forward, if that's true about Solomon, there's a re he should be in for that reason alone, right? Like, he's a trailblazer. Um, he opened up he he opened up Europe to the NHL basically in some ways and and vice versa the NHL to Europe and I think for that reason alone it's probably a pretty good reason to have him in the Hall of Fame. I don't think you disagree, but no, I do not. Yeah. So uh, he he scored 150 goals, which was 17th all time among defensemen at his retirement. He is no longer, as you might imagine, that number is no longer in the top 25. Uh, he had. Oh, yeah. Somewhat less than 650 assists, which was 15th all time among defensemen, or sorry, sixth all time in defensemen when he retired, and now 15th all time. And he had slightly less than 800 points, which was seventh all time among defensemen when he retired, and 17th still all time among defensemen. So you know he's his numbers have sort of been smashed a little bit by the 80s and uh, and the early 90s, but he's still in the top 20 in terms of offensive defensemen. Uh, by at least the system points, he was plus 170, and he played in 1148 games, which at his retirement was the eighth most by a defenseman in NHL history. So not only was he a trailblazer and NHL player, he also had quite a long career, um, which I think it's safe to say that might not have been expected, given that you know he was coming over and playing in a in a very different uh, world than where he trained in. Yeah. He also was the ninth defenseman all time in point shares. And he was 10th all-time in offensive point shares among defensemen when he retired, and 16th all-time in defensive point shares. So at least the point share metric rates him as a better uh, offensive defenseman than defensive defenseman. Um, but you know that's just a calculation; doesn't mean anything. Um, he is still somehow 18th all-time in assists per game and 20th all-time in points per game among defensemen. And I guess that has to do with the fact that you know things went crazy for in the eighties and early nineties, but now scoring has of course decreased again and never ever returned to those levels. And so uh, the fact that per game numbers, he's still on the leaderboards for that is not a super big surprise. Um, he is, uh, he of course was not drafted because uh, they didn't draft players like this in the, in the early seventies. Um, it wasn't a thing uh, that people realized they could do yet and i don't know exactly it would be interesting to know when the first european player was nhl player was drafted whether or not they came across it might have been earlier they might have been trying to get guys i don't know you you mentioned that story um about the the fake japanese player yeah in in one draft but like i i do wonder if if, if anyone was even aware of players in like europe and were just like like claim their NHL rights. And then the guy just never came over. You know, I don't know yeah. if that ever happened um, in like the sixties and early seventies, but he was, Salming was not drafted. He signed as a free agent um, in uh, 1973. Um, so we don't have a draft comparison. We do have an error comparison and of the 12 defensemen to play in at least 902 games or 11 modern seasons between 1973 and 1990. He is somewhere between a top five and a top three offensive defenseman. So he's third in points, third in assists, but fifth in goals. He's sixth in goals per game, third in assists per game, and fourth in points per game. So somewhere along there. And we're talking about an era where you also had Brad Park and Potvin 
and uh, I guess that he played through 1990. I don't know if that would include someone like Bork, um, if Bork would have played enough games, um, but it might have, um, and, and other people who played a little bit later than that, I'm not 100% sure, but it, it's definitely Popfan, who is one of the people who is ahead of them in those categories. His 82-game average is 57 points plus 12, which is fine for a defenseman. It's quite good for a defenseman now. And his three-year peak, which is 76 to 79, he's uh, 78 points per 80 games and plus 36, which is, you know, it's given the Leafs. I mean, the Leafs were good in the uh, um, late 70s, but, like, it's still, it's just still funny to me to, like, look at a Leafs player who played some of his career in the in the eighties and to see he's a career plus player. It's like, what? You must have been really <laughs> plus in the seventies if, if like because he was like in in eighty four he was minus thirty two. Oh uh, my god. So he's <laughs> still he's plus one seventy in his career, but he had a minus thirty two and a minus twenty three in back to back years in the eighties. So it's crazy. Um hockey reference of course uh the the adjustment for error from them really hurts him. It drops him 10 points, so he's 47 points per 82 games. Um, he doesn't qualify for most of the versus X error adjustment just for the assists, and that leaves him with 631 assists, which is only slightly less than what he had. Um, as we've said many times, those two error adjustments favor different periods. And, of course, he was never traded. He only played 49 games for another team other than the Leafs, and that was the um, Red Wings, and he signed with them, I presume, because it was at a time when the Leafs really were trying to move on from their past. He was also, like, 37 or 38. So uh, he has uh, he was top five in heart voting, uh, funnily enough, in uh, 1977. And um, I don't think we even considered his case in 77. Uh, when we talked about that season, I think, like, I'm, I'm not sure off the top of my head, um, 77, if it was, I think it was Lafleur, and I think it was pretty open and shut. I'm yeah. just clicking through to see. But, like, it kind of feels like, yeah, so it was Lafleur, Bobby Clark, uh, Vachon, Salming, and then Larry Robinson. And, like, no offense, we're going to do Larry Robinson soon, but, like, yeah. no offense to Salming, but, like, Larry Robinson had a better season uh, by a lot. It's weird, and that was that was the year that uh, um, the Habs were just one of the years that the Habs were just. It was seventy seven or seventy eight. Their very best year, I think it was seventy seven. I think so too. Yeah, it's like the year they only had like what ten losses the whole year. Yeah, yeah. Maybe, and so maybe like, not even. I think it was eight, and then like two ties or something like that. <laughs> it was not yeah. a lot. <laughs> you got to think that Lafleur getting. Not anywhere near a unanimous vote, but the plurality, the vast plurality of the votes this year sort of made people like not vote for Larry Robinson. But like he had more goals, he had the exact same number of assists, um, and he was plus 120 to Salming's plus 45. Wow. Um, that's, the, that's the year that uh, Larry Robinson came closest to breaking uh, Bobby Orr's plus minus record. He was only four shy of it. So, Man. like, I don't know. I, I, I wasn't there. I haven't seen either of these guys play, but to me, the fact that Salming got more votes is basically because they're trying to give a Leaf votes <laughs> as opposed to, like, one of them being better than the other. Yeah. But I don't know. Um, he also was top five in Norris voting seven times, which is more than I was expecting, uh, which is a hell of a lot and probably 
in the year that Robinson won in 77. And uh, yeah, so Selming finished second that year. And he finished third another year and second in 80 as well, probably also to Larry Robinson that year or to Pop M maybe. I don't remember. Um, so he had a lot of love from the uh, the awards voters. And it's interesting because at least by point shares, hockey point shares don't like him anywhere near as much as the voters did. So he was only a top five defensive player once by point shares in, uh, in 79, which is funny, not the year that he uh, finished second right. in uh, either year you finished second in North Reading. Um, obviously, that's just a, a rough estimation of value, but it's just sometimes those things match up. Like there are some years where like the Norris and the, the best defensive player in the league by point shares are the same. And sometimes it's completely different. And so it seems like, uh, and some of this is solving um, wasn't on one of the, the least were good, but they weren't like one of the very best teams in the league. Like they weren't the um, Canadians and they weren't the Islanders and they weren't the Flyers and they weren't the ones. Um, but also, uh, you know, he was, he didn't score as many goals as some defensemen, which probably factors into this, even though it's supposedly a defensive uh, metric. Um, so he's only a top 10 defensive player three times, which uh, was a lot lower than I was expecting. Um, he scored 15 goals four times, which was only one of 22 defensemen in his retirement, but his, it's his assists and uh, in particular that are more, Impressive. He had 60 assists three times. He's only one of nine defensemen ever. Um, and he had 70 points four times. He's one of only 12 defensemen ever. He also has that elusive first-team All-Star, which so many people in the Hall, of we talked about many times, don't have. Yeah. Um, and he got it in that year that he finished second, or sorry, fourth in Hart voting and second North voting in 77. So it was him and Larry Robinson on the first team. Um, and, you know, I don't know how controversial that is. Maybe if we do a a Norris series at some point, we will. Yeah. We'll, see. well, maybe they just didn't want to put two Habs defensemen on uh, on yeah. the team. That's <laughs> possible. Yeah. 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 Could be. He and he. So he he really was. The voters really did like him, and it could just be they were bowled over by how good he was for the fact that he was not Canadian, you know, because uh, he had sec uh, five second team All Stars as well, like from from seventy five to. 80 he made uh, a second or first all-star team every season so he was vast he was considered one of the top four defensemen in the league for five uh sorry six straight years which is um really good and i have no idea whether that's true or not because you know i was not alive when this was happening i was not even born um the versus x peak adjustment really doesn't uh, help uh, us understand his case much because uh, he doesn't qualify for goals and points, but he is 123rd all time in terms of his assists for his best seven seasons and 125th if that's turned to 10, so he had a bit of a drop off. But you know, he's at least in terms of assists, he's one of the top 125 players ever offensively, whatever that tells you. Lastly, his great teens. Uh, he unfortunately he missed over 50% of the games on that one. I want to jokingly say magical Leafs run to the conference finals in 78 because uh, it was the of course that was their first time in the conference finals since 67 Man. and it was their first time in the conference finals again until 1993 <laughs> and so for people who are older than me it was magical it was the one time the Leafs were actually good uh, in the span of what would that be 26 years ish um 
and of course Salming missed more than half the games and so we have no idea I uh, obviously he was the number one defenseman when he wasn't hurt but um he he uh he missed so many games um he does have a uh, silver medal um at the world championships and he won a media all-star uh so he was considered one of the two best defensemen in the 73 world championships which is uh quite good and then he also won a bronze the year before when he was you know pretty young um he was 20 when he won that uh, bronze medal or sorry uh yeah no he's 20 um so like i don't know you bill i'm certainly the numbers don't completely blow me away it's more the voting the the norris nominations and the all-stars that are really surprising and impressive um and he doesn't have a, like a lot of team success, obviously, though it helps he's got that yeah. silver medal at a time when Sweden was probably not winning a lot of medals. But I kind of feel like I should just like not care about any of that stuff because he's the first European NHL star. Yeah, I, like I, I think that, um, you know, we talked a lot about Nedimansky and, um, you know, sort of like breaking barriers and that kind of stuff. So I feel like he's he's a hugely important player in NHL history um, yeah. and, and sort of not just coming over and being the first European, but being a very good European and in Toronto as well helps, right? Like playing yeah. in Canada and getting, uh, getting a lot of attention. If you talk to any older Leafs fans, it's always, he's one of the first Leafs they bring up. Like he's yeah. basically, I would say he's held in the same regard as like Matt Sundin or, um, it's hard to think of any other good Leafs. <laughs> well, Keon, Keon, yeah. Jesus. Yeah. Is he French? Keon, uh, yeah. Sittler. Yeah. Yeah, Sittler was the other name I was looking for, yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, like, certainly yeah, people don't talk about, like, Turnbull in the same no. way they talk about Salming. No. Yeah, it's, uh, so it's, it, I think, um, I, I think sort of being one of the Leafs, let's say, maybe top five players ever in terms of how he's regarded, at least. Um, certainly since his expansion, he's, like, top couple, I'd say. Probably. Yeah, yeah. So then, so then like, you know, the, I think maybe he gets a strong push from that. Um, and maybe the numbers aren't like, they don't blow you away, but he was very clearly, I would say a top 10 D man, um, for, for his era. Um, and you know, maybe got more, more attention for Hart Norris because he played in Toronto, but you know, like you said, he put up those numbers and it's not like the Leafs were winning cups, you know, like Montreal and the Islanders were, it's, they, they were, the the Leafs were pretty bad. I mean, the Leafs. Since '67, have been Vancouver has a winning record against Toronto since '67. Like, <laughs> are you kidding me? Vancouver sucks. Like, how do we have a winning record against an original six team? Makes no sense. I mean, the Leafs were re- really, really, really bad for a while. So that's true. Yeah, yeah. I think I think it, your point about Toronto is really a good point, and it's probably more valid than what I was saying about them being sort of just surprised that the Swedish player was this good. I think yeah. that if you if we did if we ever do the Norris series and we look, we're probably going to see, you know, I, I, years ago, I tried to see if there was any kind of media bias to the East coast in the awards. And it would depended on the award and some awards, it was worse than others, but it, there is definitely like more, if you do it by time zone, more awards have been won by players in Eastern time zone than any other. And that makes sense. It's the history of the league, more teams have been in the Eastern time zone than anywhere else. But like the longer we've gone, the more teams that have been in central and mountain and Pacific, the more silly that gets. And you do wonder how much of this was just like, like you said, Bill, he's playing for Toronto. 
he's clearly the best or second best skater on the Maple Leafs during this time when Sittler, it's him and Sittler, you know, and, yeah. and Lanny, but like, you know, I, and I know, and it's going to be an interesting conversation when we get to Lanny McDonald, because like Lanny McDonald had a, like a, a very impressive peak and like not a whole lot else, but is like this sort of like acclaimed, you know, easily like made in the hall of fame. No problem. Very quickly. And, uh, I, and some of it might have to do with his facial hair. Um, I was just about to say, Riley, yeah. for, for the facial hair alone, for that mustache, he's in. <laughs> so, like, I think you really can look back at those teams and, like, it was, like, it was Sittler and Salming and, and to a lesser extent, Lanny and Palmatier and, and uh, I guess, like, Ron Ellis or somebody like that. Like, once once Ullman and, and like, Keon was gone, and once Ullman was too old. And, and I think that, like a lot of that plays into like how well regarded like you said bill like if you talk to people who you know more and more people are are dead from the time when like you know uh, teeter kennedy was the star or whatever you know or mahovlich or reg kelly uh tim horton you know like the the people those people who saw those guys as adults there's less and less of them around and I think that when you talk about certainly since expansion, the best Leafs, it's like it's Matt's, Doug Gilmore, uh, Sittler, Salming, you know, and 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 Austin Matthews may be making a case to get into that conversation eventually, but like it's it's those guys, and yeah. and having not seen Salming play, I sort of got to take it on faith, especially given the, those like and six years in a row of being first or second team, mostly second, but still, um, that's. You know, we don't talk a lot about uh, about too many players who have that six years in a row of being on an end of season All Star team. Yeah, it's, uh, it's a it's a short list for for Toronto for sure. So it's... yeah, in particular, yeah, we don't talk about many Leafs who've done that. I don't know if there are too many Leafs who've done that since expansion. That is for sure. So our other player um, is a weird one, and <laughs> so. Uh, he was inducted. Uh, he retired in. Well, sorry, it's complicated. Bobby Bauer retired in '47, but he had a one-game comeback in in '50 and '52, and so he was inducted either 44 years after he retired or uh, 49 years after he retired. One or the other. He only played eight seasons in the NHL. And so we are now going to talk about his case, uh, given that, uh, yeah, it's kind of interesting that he was inducted. So he played from 36 to 42, and then his career, like so many, was uh, short-circuited by World War II, and he came back for 45-47, and like I said, one game comeback, 52. Um, he played his entire career for the Bruins, by the way, uh, which which is going to come in. I think is important in understanding what happened here. Um, he only had 123 goals, 137 assists, and 260 points. But of course, it was the original six era. At least the latter part of his career was the proper original six era. He actually predates the original six. Um, but he wasn't on any all-time leaderboards when he retired. And so that uh, is, you know, interesting. Now, he didn't score enough to make hockey references per game leaderboards. But if you if you throw out the goals, assists, and points qualifier and instead use a games played qualifier instead of 300 games. He was 18th in goals per game, 11th in assists per game, and 13th in points per game. 
So I, there's a case there somewhere, right? Like 15th, somewhere 15th to 20th best offensive player in NHL history. Yeah. Provided you play 300 games. So, okay. Um, but again, like that's, uh, that's a games play qualifier. So um, arrow wise though, he, he looks uh, interesting. So he's 18th in goals, but he's 11th in goals per game and assists per game. So he's almost a top 10 player in his era, but he's 21st in points and point shares, but he's 13th in points per game. So top 15 player in his own era suggests that the scoring had gone up and maybe that's why he's, he's, you know, so high up on the uh, per game leaderboards. Um, he, he clearly, despite, um, playing, uh, I don't know, four or five full seasons during his career, he, he was hurt. It seems a lot. And he also missed some time, right? So he's 40th in games played over that span. And, it, and some of that is, is from the, um, the war, obviously. His 82 game average is 66 points. His uh, 48 game average, because uh, for his three year peak, because uh, that's what they played back then, was 44 points, so almost a point per game at a time where very few players were a point per game. Um, and then uh, playoff wise, uh, he he doesn't look great again. Uh, for his playoff era, he's 18th in goals, 30th in assists, and 22nd in points. And it, if you go by per game, it doesn't get much better. 16th in goals per game, 30th in assists per game, 25th in points per game, 24th in total games played. This is not a guy who was a star, at least in the playoffs. And adjustment for era uh, makes him look fantastic because he played at a time when there's really little scoring. So if you do the hockey reference adjustment, his 82-game average is 101 points which is preposterous. It's 45 points better than his real 82-game average, so that's not real, obviously. But he doesn't qualify for the versus X adjustment for era because um, he didn't score enough, frankly. And he also didn't... He wasn't on uh, enough leaderboards. So he won the Lady Bing uh, three times, so hopefully that isn't the reason why he is in the Hall of Fame. Um, he was only a top-five offensive player by OPS or by a Fed's boy chair, sorry, twice. He was top 10 four times in 38, 39, 40, and 47. So his last year, he actually had a pretty decent year. Uh, he was a top five offensive player, basically. I said twice uh, by point shares, but in terms of goals, uh, once, um, assists once, points once. Um, so uh, it must have been that he was on the Bruins, and the Bruins were good is why he had that uh, two seasons in there. He has, here's here's one thing. He has almost as many second team All Star appearances as uh, as Salming, uh, and he was a right wing, so is at a harder position. So that means, given the era, at least a couple of those he was probably, or at least one of those he was finishing behind um, uh, Richard. Um, however, uh, in the late 30s, early 40s, I'm not sure who the right wing would have been who was ahead of him. Um, I could I could click on an all-star team and see. Um, we should also remember that uh, this was a time at which talent was considered to be notoriously um, thin in history of the league. Uh, so they played some funny little games here, it seems, as they often do with these all-star games, because um, he appears to have been put on the second team with his line mate. 
Oh, he, sorry, he's put on the second team with his linemate. My apologies. I'm looking at the wrong person. Um, first team. So, oh, Brian Hextall. Okay. All right, that makes sense. Brian Hextall was really good. All right. Um, so, uh, you know, he he uh, he was considered to be one of the better wingers in the league, despite the fact that he doesn't actually have a lot of offensive... Like, clearly they were valuing something other than just output because he had, like, one or two great years but was named four times. Um, so I don't know exactly what's going on there. Uh, I think we're going to find out in a second when we talk about who he played with. Um, his versus X peak uh, has him uh, best seven seasons, has him 159th for goals, 198th for assists, and 142nd points. So... That is an adjustment that tries to figure out how good their best seasons are compared to everyone else historically. And if we take that at any kind of, with any kind of, um, we take that seriously, it's saying he's somewhere between the 140th and 200th best offensive player in history, which I don't know if we'd want to be putting those guys in. Maybe we do. Yeah, it's, I, so, I, I don't know. I, I feel like it's almost, do you. You know, because the because the bar keeps moving too, and it's like yeah. you know, with with the difference in eras, it makes it so hard to do to say somebody's you're the 240th best player of all time, but you played during sort of like another dead puck era, so therefore, you know, like somebody who's just lighting it up, uh, you know, in the 80s, like let's say somebody who has way more points than a guy like Peter Forsberg, and then you realize the era in which Forsberg was putting up 100 point seasons, you're like. Okay, uh, I'm pretty sure we have to factor this in here. Like, this, these numbers are very different. Um, so may, yeah, maybe it's, that's true. But, but but I think that's why it's so important that we're going through and like relative to his his era, relative to his competition. What did he do? You know, where does he rank in terms of his contemporaries? Um, yeah, and which isn't that great. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. I mean, like a top. If we're being charitable, you know, eleventh uh, in goals per game and assists per game in that era which is like in 13th in points per game. Okay. But that, that you're in a six team league, you know, um, or seven or eight, I guess, uh, for most of his career. So the last thing I just wanted to mention is he did win a, a two Stanley cups in 39 and 41. And they were also because it was the, uh, because there were so few teams and the Bruins were really good. He was also um, in one other Stanley cup final in 46, but they lost. And by points anywhere, he was a top three forward on that runner up. And, top six forward by points on champions in 39-41, but we know he was playing a first-line role because he is part of the famous Kraut line with uh, Milt Schmidt and I believe Woody Dumart, and that kind of feels to me like it might be why he's in. Um, but it's before we yeah. get to that, I also want to mention he did win a Memorial Cup in 1934, and while he was in the war, he won an Allen Cup. Like, he was one of those players who was drafted or whatever, or volunteered, and then went off and was allowed to play hockey while he was in the military, and his military team won the Allen Cup. So he's one of those rare, especially for his era, he's a rare NHL player to have won the Stanley Cup, the Allen Cup, and the Memorial Cup. That happened more in, like, the, you know, the early century, but not, like, in the 40s. That's, that's fairly strange, I think. So... That I guess you could say, like that's one reason he's won an out. He won everywhere, right? He won in yeah. the NHL, he won in junior, and he won in senior when he was in the war. Um, and he, he may have been the best player on both that Memorial Cup team and that Allen Cup team. 
But, like, he was not... Like, let's look at his best season. In 1940, he had 43 points in 48 games. Um, you know, he... He was not. He was the. He was arguably the third best player on the court line. Milt Schmidt had nine points more than him. Woody Dumart had the same number of points, but had five more goals. Like, I, I find, I and we've talked about this in the past, but I do sometimes wonder to what extent, like, especially old timers in hockey, they want to induct whole lines, or they want to induct, you know these like sort of symbolic like I don't know I, I I think that he Bauer probably got a bunch of a boost from being on this very famous Bruins line I would I would definitely say so and it's like um well it's like we were talking about uh, Rick Martin right and like sort of you know part of a part of a famous line and it's like well does he get in because of that eventually maybe um Rick Martin was a lot, probably a lot better though. No, no, I, I know. I'm just saying, like, it, like he sort of gets that boost, right? Of like yeah. being part of like a line that everyone remembers. I, yeah. I, I think sort of being part of a memorable team or a memorable line uh, definitely gets you the boost to 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 get in, right? Like, yeah. I think. Even if you just think back to like, um, you know, uh, the Sedin twins, if they're not twins and they put up those numbers, a lot of people would probably say they shouldn't go in. But because yeah. it's like a unique thing, they're probably going to get the bump to go in together kind of thing. Right. Yeah. One, yeah one, one would assume. And I think they have a decent like they have a decent Hall of Fame case individually. But when you put the two of them together, it's like, OK, yeah. But like, you know, yeah. is, Bur- is Burroughs going to get the bump from being on that line? No, <laughs> well, I certainly not. hope not. <laughs> no, no, well, at, at that point, I don't. I, and I really love, you know, I'm a big Burroughs fan, but like just the fact that with arguably hard work was able to turn himself into a, into a top six player. Um, but, you know, the geniuses on the, on that line are Henrik and Daniel. And it's like, you know, fondly remembered, you know, put him up in the Canucks ring of honor, but the hall of fame, you know, I, I don't know that we should be promoting players just cause they, you know, like I think they can still be very fondly remembered without having to go into the hall, you know, but yeah. It's it's really hard with the old timers because we we just have so little to go on about how the game was played and how good this guy was and like you said he was a winner everywhere so yeah you know maybe that's and, what just barely tips him in kind of thing yeah it's just another point about like how he was clearly not the best player on this line so this his second best year when he had thirty nine points in forty eight games and he outscored his line mates Milt Schmidt and Woody Dumart they were hurt. They both missed, uh, Dumart missed six games, Schmidt missed three, and Schmidt finished one point behind uh, Bauer in the standings. So Schmidt, who is clearly the, the driving force on this line, would have passed him had he... So, like, my issue with doing this, with looking back in the past and saying, oh, this line, I remember, this line was so key in the history of the Bruins, and and every member of it should be in, is like... If we applied that same logic to the present, you would get yeah. things like, I don't know about the Burroughs thing, because I don't know how long they played together, but like that kind of thinking, yeah. Uh, where like you're starting to induct guys who were like, you know, like should Brendan Morrison be in the hall if, if, if like Naslin and Bertuzzi had slightly longer peaks? Like I think Naslin 
I mean, who knows? We'll see. Naslin yeah. may eventually get in. I don't know. But like if Bertuzzi had, had been as good as he was at his peak for like another five years or four years or something. Yeah. Um, would Brendan Morrison get, be getting consideration because of those guys? Or like, yeah. I don't know, you could pick any number of like lines where, um, you know, does Wendell, uh, well, actually, I don't know how much Wendell Clark and Anderson played together. I don't remember. Never mind. I was going to say Wendell Clark deserved to be in because of Anderson and Gilmore. But yeah, and, like I, I, I hear you like, like that when they had that line of, um, uh, Forsberg, Hey Duke, and uh, Tange, and they were like yeah. lights out good. It's like, well, then, you know, I think I don't. Have we talked about Hey Duke yet? I I can't remember what we said. I don't think we Hay have. Duke. I don't think we have. Um, but like he he and he and Tange have like I would say at at their you know considering who's gone in now and probably <laughs> worth discussing. But you know, th- I think even at their best, it's a borderline case. Yeah. Whereas, you know, they're playing with a slam dunk, no doubt, Hall of Famer. Do they sort of, the thing is, they were productive without him, but then when they were not with him, they were with Sackick. So it's like, yeah. you know, yeah. you're playing with two Hall of Famers. It's like, you know, a lot of Crosby's line mates, do they get sent consideration just because they were playing yeah, with Chris a guy Kunitz, Yeah. I remember when Chris Kunitz got an MVP vote in 2013 in the yeah. shortened season. And I was like, my jaw hit the floor and I was like, yeah. what the fuck is happening? <laughs> you but, know? And, the, and the thing was when they put him on, when they put him on team Canada, everybody's like, but it, it does seem like Crosby takes a while to click with his teammates because he does things sort of really differently than a lot of other players. So he's kind of like the Sedins, right? They do things really differently. So you need somebody who's able to sort of like, think the way they think or to realize their tendencies and be in the right place at the right time. Um, and so, you know, a guy like Kunitz, for whatever reason, he meshed with, so his numbers are way higher because he's playing with Crosby, but he's a good, solid NHL player. Is he a Hall of Famer? I don't think anywhere close, but the yeah. numbers are definitely going to at least make people think about it, right? So it's like, actually, I don't know what Kunitz's numbers are. I'd have to look them up, but I, I know that he was very productive for, for uh, you know, a yeah, stretch he played of four, a, he had a long career and and when he was on the Penguins, he definitely scored a whole bunch. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, and I think these are important things to think about because here we have a guy who was never the best player, on, and, at least in the NHL. He was the best player in junior and best player in senior. Okay. Um, and, like, he might have been the second best player. on. I just realized I accidentally earlier, I, I he had his, his final season in the league was actually his best season in total points not points per game and so i i missed that when i was saying his best seasons he wasn't the he wasn't even the second best player in the team but in his final full season in the league he was by points the second best player on his team um but that was only once and like i understand there were like between like eight and six teams at this point and so you you want to consider other people um you know, who not just the best player in the team for this era, but like there are like lots of guys uh, on these Boston teams who are already in, you know, um, if you look at, uh, if you look at uh, the roster of the 47 Bruins, for example, you have Schmidt, you have Dumart, you have Cowley. Cowley isn't, Schmidt's probably a no doubter. Cowley is absolutely a no doubter. Cowley is one of the best players in the league. Babe Pratt, Fern Flamen, Dick Clapper is a no doubter. Um, Frank Brinsick, I'm pretty sure is no doubter. Like, like there are a lot of good players on that team. For example, where yeah, Duke, or, oh sorry, where Bauer had the second most points that are 
legit real no problem hall of famers and like i think if you look at the 40 bruins you know the same uh is true uh you got roy conacher who we just talked about and agreed yeah it does belong um dick clapper was still on that team bill Cowley was still on that team milt schmidt was still on that team i don't we haven't evaluated Woody Dumart's case. I have no idea if he belongs or not, but he's also on that team. Eddie Shore was still on the 40 Bruins. Wow. You know, the guy who some people think was the, the best uh, hockey player of all time prior to Gordie Howe, or one of the two. Um, yeah. Like, we don't need to induct the top six forwards and, you know, for defense from these original six teams, you know? Um, I don't think. And, like, it seems, and they're not there yet, but they're, you know, if they induct one or two more guys, they might be. Um, yeah. And it strikes me that, like, that's just the only thing. There, so, like you said, Bill, he won everywhere. So that's the one thing he has going for him is the is the Allen Cup, the Memorial Cup, and the, and the Stanley Cup. And he might have been the last guy to do all three of those, right? In terms of, because yeah. that was a thing you did. Lots of guys did that in the teens and 20s, but because you know, they play senior until they're like 22 or 23. Um, but like he was probably the last guy to do it. And then you have those second team all-stars. But like he wasn't actually, at least by points, he wasn't actually the, the best right or second best right wing in the league most of the time. You know, he didn't finish second very, like like if I look at this, he's he was never... He was second in goals once in his career, um, fourth in assists once. He was second in points once. And, like, it's just, you know. Yeah, if, if he does that multiple years, then I, I don't think we're even. Yeah, then no problem. Games, right? yeah. Sure, yeah, yeah. It's like when we talked about Roy Conacher. Roy Conacher led the league in points and goals in two separate years. He, he was clearly the second best goal scorer of his era. There was, like, just, it was like, yeah, of course. Why wasn't this guy inducted before 1997? Didn't make any sense, right? Whereas yeah. this guy, it's like, I understand why he wasn't inducted prior to 1996. <laughs> probably not quite there. And it, it's not like it's not as bad as some of them. I don't know how much of a terrible precedent it uh, sets, but like he wasn't he wasn't a dominant force in the playoffs. Yeah, you know he he was never the best player on his own team. It just it seems like this was unnecessary. He yeah, he also uh, he also been dead for thirty years. Sorry. Ah, uh, okay. I was just about to ask. I'm like, did he did had he recently died? And it was like, uh, oh man, we forgot to put this guy in. We really should, uh, you know, make make a situation right. But no, if he was, if he if he passed away thirty years before that, then I mean, I don't I don't know what's going on. <laughs> yeah, it's a real it's a real weird thing. Like I don't know. Um, it it's just it's interesting and i do wonder how much of it was like people wanting to honor this particular line that they remember fondly could be yeah, yeah. all right well th that's it uh so uh so salming uh, yeah yep. and bauer i'm gonna say no yeah yeah i kind of i don't think he belongs yeah yeah i'm kind of inclined to say the same thing even though it like it always feels a little weird to say that like uh I don't know. Maybe if I, you know, so I'm like you always say, Bill, if someone wants to buy me a beer and argue, uh, yes, <laughs> I, I'd be willing to hear if they like, I don't know, he was like phenomenal defensively or something. And we just don't know. Then sure. But otherwise, I can't, I can't get there. 
So, <laughs> all right. Uh, that's it for us for this episode. We will have the class of 1995 in the next episode. So uh, we hope you will join us for that one. See you then. Take care.